In today's bonus episode, join us as real estate heavyweights have a chance to go some extra rounds into this week's topic. Hey everyone, I'm here with Chris Todd. Hey Chris. Hey, good morning. Good morning. And he is um, does real estate in Nashville, Tennessee with the Brenda Wilson Lowry team for Compass Realty. Now, Chris, we were talking about as the listing agent, should you call the buyer's lender? What do you think about that? I have a couple of thoughts about it. Uh, outside of just seeing where their buyers stand, which I understand, I'm probably not going to get all the information and they're not going to divulge any real issues and things like that because they're in the sure. same business as us and that's uh you know generating business for their agents mm-hmm. so they're they're not gonna say well no these are terrible clients you know that's right. not that's gonna happen so you gotta take what the information that you get it and kind of look look at it through a lens of putting yourself in their shoes and what you would tell right I'll be the same thing so well I mean really we're looking for like I mean, what do you really want to know? You don't really care about the specifics, right? It's more just about, you know, has that lender done their due diligence to get, is this pre-qualification letter worth anything? Yeah, where are they at in the process? Right. How much information have they gotten from the buyers? Have they already done all the things? Are they pre-qualified? Are they pre-approved? You know, those type of things to make sure that they've actually got, they just haven't submitted an app and uh something on an app and they got a pre-approval letter well i find too that like if that if the lender even though they can't really say much but if they sound frustrated like they haven't gotten docs or whatever then that's like a big red flag yeah i mean that that's the main reason i mean there's also um i mean yeah you have to kind of read into what they're saying right and use your you know skills as a salesperson to understand what they can say and what they can't say because and right. you know what their knowledge is i've thought of a couple other things too as far as like uh, ideas of why you would want to talk to the you know the lender as, okay. uh, as the selling agent not and it's not just about the buyers i mean i'm i'm constantly looking for lenders i mean true you know, let's see let's see how they handle these questions that i'm giving to them Right. Exactly. You know how they answer them. Maybe this is somebody I would consider using in the future. That's a good point. It also just opens up that line of communication. So if there is issues on the back end, you've got a, you've already, you know, you at least got some rapport built with the person. Yeah. Where I could talk to them, you know, send them an email and just say, Hey, um, you know, I, I know we're having some kind of issues. Can I talk to you about it? And they may be more apt to deal with you at that point. Right. No, that that's a really good point about that. Can you has there ever been a time when you haven't called the buyer's lender as the listing agent? And what were the circumstances? Well, no. And the reason, <laughs> I, the reason I say no, I mean, I'm sure it's happened. But the reason I say no is because it's kind of part of our process. Yeah. When we accept offers, that's one of the things that we do. I was, that's the way I was taught. When I, yeah. It's kind of like an income verification. I mean, we do a lot of rentals and things like that. And it's like, well, yeah, we require them to submit pay stubs, but I also call the company to make sure that they are employed there. Yeah. And that they have continued employment. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just, it's just should be really part of your process when you're talking to, you know, when you're thinking about accepting an offer, you should know a little bit about where they're coming from and where they stand. 
Right. Exactly. Well, do you have any other thoughts on this topic? Um, you know, really, the, the, that was the two big things was just yeah. checking in on the buyer and basically, I'm basically interviewing the lender. Right. At the same time, you know, plus, you know, I really believe in you should really be trying to make at least minimum of 10 phone calls to vendors every week. Uh-huh. So that I kind of count that into my vendor list, you know, um, minimum of 10 call on your vendors, 10 of your vendors, even if they're not your vendors, because people that are in the industry that maybe you can talk to and just, you know, actually get them on the phone, which I know is a novel idea, but, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but that, I mean, I know it's sometimes it's harder said than done, but, just making those phone calls. I, I'm a big believer in, you know, taking, staying in touch with people and doing it that way and making yeah. it perfect. So, What is your purpose for the vendor calls? Um, it's kind of just to see where everybody's at, see if there's anything I don't know about, you know, uh-huh. maybe some things have changed that I wasn't aware of, you know. Um, I, I've got a thing, I, you know, it's like a business plan, I guess you would call it, but it's, uh, you know, 10 phone calls a day. Mm-hmm. And, and I have specific things set up like Mondays. I do a certain amount of certain calls and they may change. Tuesday, I always do my check-ins with my current clients. Mm-hmm. You know, just pretty standard stuff. But it, but on Fridays, that's what I do on Fridays. I call nice. kids vendors. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it may be the same vendor that I talked to last week because a majority of, I'm like everybody else. Once I get with a lender, a majority of my deals go through there unless there's some reason not to send them there. Like, Somebody has a better product match for my clients. Right. And so, I mean, I talked to them and it, you know, at, at one company, I may have five or six different loan officers. So talking to one of them, putting them on a rotation, because I know I'm going to end up using them and talking to them again. That's true. You know. Do you ever, from the buy side, are do you ever get upset that the listing agent reaches out to the lender? No. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with anybody reaching out to them. I mean, when you send them that prequal letter, it's got all the contact information on it anyways. Right. So, you know, we, I think it's fine. I don't have a problem with it because I know that I do it. So. Right. Um, well, and we've been tossing around the idea of, you know, getting a verbal, like the email updates are fine, but there you have to, in my opinion, at least once or twice a week, um, but definitely at least once a week, you have to have a verbal conversation. Right. So like just jumping on a group call with the agents and the lender, like on the agents on both sides and be like, here's where we're at and quickly. And then maybe the buy agent, well, maybe we can jump on with the, um, if we're the buyer, we can jump on a little bit early and say specifics about the file that we can help with or whatever, but then have them included on the general stuff. Yeah. You know? No, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. I mean, some agents would probably be, they wouldn't <laughs> be excited about that. I wouldn't say, you know, yeah. I mean, some, but that's just, that's going to be on an agent by agent basis. Have you seen any problems with getting other agents to join in on that? Well, I've only started doing it and it actually works a little bit better because then I'm not relaying the conversation that I really know nothing about. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Basically like paying telephone. Yeah. It's just silly. Like. They can ask all their questions. Yeah. And as the list, I'm normally the listing agent. And as the listing agent, I usually ask a lot more questions than maybe the buyer, than the buyer agent did. And so I like to get my questions answered by the person who actually knows the information. (laughs) 
you right, know? Right, right, right. <laughs> get it from the horse's mouth. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right. Instead of annoying the buying agent. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that, that does make it easier, you know? Yeah, I, it's I more efficient. I can see some buyer's agents probably being put off by that, but... Well, that's I okay. Think, I think it's a great idea because that way it's more open communication. Oh, agreed. Yeah, we're all we all have the same goal. Well, yeah, I really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. No problem. There's no problem. Have an awesome day. All right, you too. Hey everyone, I'm here with Ernie Chavon. Hey Ernie. Hey, how are you? Great. And um, Ernie's actually licensed in Connecticut and New York with William Revis Real Estate. So Ernie, we were talking about as the listing agent, should you call the buyer's lender? What do you think? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, yeah. I take a side on that one. Absolutely not. That's awesome. Tell me why or what happened. Like, did you ever call them or is there a story behind that? Yeah, there is. But here's the issue. And I work in an, in a market that is New York City's backyard, basically. Okay. But yeah. And a lot of successful folks around here. And it's basically comes down to three things that you do when you live around here in general. You're a doctor. You're in finance. Or you're a lawyer. Okay. Okay. Right. So of those three types of folks, they're very guarded and they like to keep their secrets wherever, you know, and they yeah. like to keep things on one side or the other. Right. So you really don't want to invade the buyer's agent's privacy and, and, and the ultimate buyer's client, uh, the ultimate buyer's privacy. The median house price around here is about seven fifty. Okay. okay, so you are talking, you know, some some high net individual, high net worth individuals who really are private characters, and some of them actually have lawyers on retainer. You know, especially if you're a doctor and you just hand over stuff. You don't. You're not a negotiator. You don't do business stuff like that. So you'll hand it over, and in New York. Uh, last time I looked, you don't even need to, you, if you're an attorney, you don't even need to have a real estate license. You can practice real estate anyway. Oh, I have heard that before. That's Correct. an interesting thing. Yeah. I wonder right. if that will go, like, I don't know. That just seems strange to me, you know? They're all, they, they, you know, they obviously know the legal piece of it. Now there's a negotiating piece and stuff like that. And the lawyers around here do that uh, quite well. Mm -hmm. But that's laid out that way. And they put some things in, in place in New York. And I've worked with lawyers. And all they basically said, just open the door for me. I want to see the house. I'm going to do the deal. Right. And I, yeah. And then when I work, I've worked with some celebrities, some high-level folks. They make you sign a disclosure. And they hand it off to their business manager. And guess what the business manager is? An attorney. Yeah, right. So, exactly. So you, you are not doing any, you, you know, that some folks are not letting you do any shenanigans. Well, but it yeah, would be interesting yeah. to find out because you made a good point. Like, if you're kind of in an... I don't want to, I want to say isolated, but that's not what I mean. Like right. if you're yeah. in like a part, an area, or maybe you do a lot of like a, a second homes. Like right. I wonder if calling the listing agent is based on the clientele. Like if you're doing 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that would be an Absolutely. interesting study. It must, it might you're be. Going in, you're going industry norms and, and, and at, not industry norms, but local, local. area. Yeah. Right. Cause New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, that we call that the tri-state area, which is zillions of people. These are judicial states. So if you got a, if you're getting evicted or you're doing any, you know, anything that goes down in real estate that might be bad, it goes through a court. Right. right. A probate court, even if somebody passes away and so forth. So a lot of things go through the legal system, and you're not going to, uh, you know, put put yourself in jeopardy there. Have you ever worked in a different market, or have you always worked in this one? As far as real estate, yeah. Okay. Only only this market. Cool. Well, it's an interesting yeah. perspective. It's not one that yeah. I thought of because we don't really have right that here in our city. So I really appreciate you being on. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed diving deeper into this week's topic with our real estate heavyweights. If you're interested in becoming a featured heavyweight, please reach out through our toe-to-toe podcast Facebook page.